This morning we consider first message on Judgment Day. We've been looking at study, we've been studying last things the last few weeks. We've looked at the resurrection of Jesus. We've looked at His post-resurrection appearances. We looked at His ascension into heaven. And even His post-ascension appearances. We've looked at His second coming. And now we've arrived at Judgment Day. Perhaps the passage that you read this morning is the most solemn passage in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. This is Judgment Day as revealed in God's Word. It's been prophesied in the Old Testament, the Lord cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. Yes, this is a passage particularly dealing with the lost at Judgment Day. But it is written particularly for God's people as the Bible is. This is a sobering passage for us, isn't it? This is a scene that will occur in due time. We had a, a friend, haven't been able to connect to him, haven't seen him in over 20 years. He was a trucker that would drive his tractor trailer all over the country. He would try to be in western New York from time to time and he would park his truck in Hamburg, uh, the old um, bowling alley there near the 90 entrance. They demolished that. I think it's all just a parking lot now, but he used to park his rig there and we would pick him up and he would park there on Saturday night and he would stay with us, worship with us, and then on Monday morning he would take off. Whenever he would arrive at different truck stops, just all kinds of wickedness occurred. He told us that he was at a truck stop in New Jersey and just before he would go into New York City, he would park there and he said it was just very um, vexing to hear what was, go- what was going on on the uh, CB radios asking for drugs and, and uh, just all kinds of wickedness. And he would have prostitutes knocking on his window. And he finally put signs on his window, Bible verses, and that that was an end of, of the knocking of these these poor uh, sinful women but he said he just was one night just so 
disturbed by what he was hearing that he turned on Alexander Scorby uh, reading the King James Version Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 to 15 and he touched the the, uh, the button on his CB mic and he played these verses and then they stopped and he said there was silence but he said only for about 30 seconds and then slowly but surely the riffraff started up and continued. But only the Lord knows what could have occurred. And he often, when he couldn't, when he couldn't uh, be in a city on Saturday night that, where there was a good church nearby, he would he would set up a Bible study in the in a room at the truck stop, and he would advertise on Saturday night a service or a a Bible study. He said usually he would get one or two truckers on Sunday mornings. But this is a passage that we should read often and even put to memory, to meditate on, so that you and I can have an incentive to a holy life and to a concern for the fact that we too are going to stand before God one day and especially that we might maintain a true burden for souls. <coughs> you can come to this passage and find comfort in the fact that all evil will one day be extinguished. We can come to this passage with confidence that Christ will prevail. He will have the last say. He, was, he is the one, the last king that will sit upon a throne. And you can come to this passage as an incentive. And that's our consideration today. And I saw the Lord. And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat upon it. This solemn scene that we're, we should anticipate should motivate us to improve in three familiar disciplines of our Christian lives. First, a deeper reverence for God's majesty. Secondly, a greater preparation for our day of judgment. And thirdly, for a bolder and braver and warmer pursuit of lost souls. There's so much if you would just trace this scene well, the first is the scene, a great white throne. The sovereign, one sitting upon it. The sense of fear. The earth and the heaven fled away. and The summons, they stood before God. The sea gave up the dead. Death and hell gave up those that were in them. The summoned ones, the dead, both small and great. The sins. And the books were opened. The sinners, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The searching, they were judged every man according to his works. The sentence, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What we don't see here is the degrees of punishment in that lake of fire that are found elsewhere. But this should be a motivation for us to have a deeper reverence for God's majesty. 
And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it. Just let those words sink in. Notice He calls it a throne. In this passage, it's not the judgment seat, the bema that you read in other passages. I mean, they're both referring to the place of judgment. But this is called a throne. In other words, it speaks of the king sitting upon this seat. And in Revelation 20, it is the isolation of lost people of the judgment. 1 Thessalonians 4 is a passage that isolates believers uh, when Christ returns. This is a passage that isolates unbelievers soon upon the return of Jesus Christ. It's a great throne notice. It's an awesome throne that captures his attention. It's white. Speaking of the fact that it is pure. It is a throne where the king will grant absolute perfect judgment. It's white. Speaking of Christ's hair, white as snow, as white as white as wool, Revelation 1, speaking of the fact that the Ancient of Days will sit there. It's a throne. It's authoritative. It's powerful. It's majestic. There's only one that sits upon it. So it's exclusive. Where are all the other kings and queens and prime ministers? They're all at that scene. They're not sitting They're trembling. He is sitting. That is, He's poised. He's sovereign. He's about to judge. Well, brother and sister, this should sober us. This should cause us to to bow our knees and our hearts before God. To ponder His glory and His greatness, His goodness to us, His justice to us. If this is such a glorious scene, think about Moses reflecting God's glory, but Moses' face shone and it was just a reflection of God. What must be the very effulgence of God? God is radiant, bright. Jesus is called the Son of Righteousness. (coughs) As Revelation 1 tells us, His countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. Oh, we need more adoration of God. We need more heart and more more prayer. We need, like David, to be able to say, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, my goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield in whom, whom I trust, my King and my God. He's the high and the lofty one that Isaiah spoke of. Thus saith the high and the lofty one who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Oh, that God would help us, even by a consideration of judgment day and the great white throne, to become more sincere in our praise, in our prayer, in our worship, in our service of God, a deeper reverence for God's majesty. But also, secondly, 
the fact that there is a judgment for Christians should be considered even though this isolates unbelievers. We should have a greater preparation for our day of reckoning. Now, there's a difference between the judgment of Christians and the judgment of non-Christians. May I say a disclaimer, Christians will not be judged according to our sins. Our sins were judged in Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins. But the fact is that we will have what we might call an interview with the Lord. All Christians will have a judgment day. The Bible says in Romans 14.10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12 says, Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So, we cannot live haphazardly and, and, and uh, slovenly and, and, and without a concern for the fact that we're going to stand before our own judge. I think we forget that and we allow ourselves sometimes to just to live so... so uh, unconcerned about the fact that we're going to give account to the Lord one day. All of us are going to have our interview. Now, people have asked, when will this take place? Is this going to be a a separate moment at that day? My personal opinion is you and I are going to meet the Lord when we die. That's when our interview will be with the Lord. We're going to all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give account of our works since we became a Christian. Were we faithful? Were we fruitful? Did we serve the Lord? Were we, were we accountable believers together in the church of Jesus Christ? We're all going to give account to Jesus. We cannot escape that fact. We've got to be careful to live so that we don't lose what has been wrought. John said it this way, Let's be careful lest we lose what has been wrought, that we receive a full reward. All Christians will have a judgment day. There is a concern that we should have that Christians will be judged according to our works. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And he mentions that our works can either be wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, or precious stones. Now this is talking to believers that we can live so carelessly as Christians that what we have to show before the Lord is wood, hay, and stubble. And that's why he says that Our works will be burned, we'll suffer loss in that sense, but we'll be saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, we're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have nothing to show for. That's a fear that I would have, and that you ought to have. Are we living in such a way that we're we're not gaining wood, hay, and stubble, that we're living for the Lord, that we're obeying His Word, that we're faithful to to His church and to His people? Or are we going to see that everything is burned up because we lived for ourselves and for this world? 
Or can we have the hope of God at judgment? That we have gold, silver, and precious stones. 1 Corinthians 3.14 If any man's work shall abide which he hath built thereupon, that is, built upon Christ the foundation, he shall receive a reward. If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, every man's work shall be made manifest For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You see, Jesus' eyes are as a flame of fire. We can't can't trick Him at Judgment Day. We will have to stand before Him, and He'll know. He'll know the motives. He'll know our, our works. He'll know if we've been faithful or unfaithful. He'll know if we ran to the end or that we stopped running and lived for ourselves. Oh, brother and sister, we've got to keep judgment day in mind. There's a judgment day for you and me to stand before the Lord. And Christians have degrees of rewards. The first of all is none. And that's a scary thing. The Lord Jesus tells us that there are some Christians who have no rewards. They were wood, hay, and stubble, burned up. Yet they're saved, yet so as by fire. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us who have served the Lord, and, and though we had one talent, or two, or five, or ten, for we must all appear at before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things that were done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. And Matthew tells us everybody will receive eternal life who are saved, a penny a day. Everyone receives the same as far as eternal life, because Christ died for our sins. But the parable of the talents tells us Are we faithful to what God has given us as far as our gifts are concerned? But, oh, brother, we've got to be careful about our motives, about our obedience to God's Word, to His commands. I want to be ready. Do you not want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? The Lord knows if we love Him. The Lord knows if we love His people. The Lord knows if we are seeking to obey Him. We need to keep this in mind. And Judgment Day is not just for unsaved people to be concerned about. It should be a concern for us that we'll have a greater preparation when we see the Lord. Our day of accounting is coming. May God help us to be ready. We'll be judged not according to our sins, but according to our work. The word must is interesting in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's absolutely necessary. We must all appear. There's no exceptions. Each one of us will have an interview with our Savior. And that is a matter of concern. Every so often, I'm, each bus driver is called in to the supervisor to have an assessment of our, our driving and our our people skills and so on. And it's, a, it's certainly always a matter of concern when your name is called. As you sit down alone 
before the supervisor. What is she going to say? Have you been? Have you been? There's a new. There's an interesting devices now that can that detects if you've stopped too fast, or you've been going too fast, or you've been erratic. It's just an amazing thing. They, they, these, uh, um, I don't know what they call them. These, these installations in the motor or in the brake system, and they actually had a chart with the, all the buses on it. Here on this side were the more safe buses. Buses. Here were the middle of the road, and here were the unsafer uh, buses. How did they know all this information? And it was all, it's all on a computer. But if the Lord who made the computers, what is, is in mind? He'll see if we have tried to make shortcuts or if we've been unfaithful. Or we've, we've put ourselves before Him and His kingdom. Oh, that God would help us to remember we're going to stand before Him. Look to yourselves, John says. Watch that you lose not that those things which you have wrought, but you obtain a full reward. Oh, that the Lord would help us to consider our ways. Remember the illustration, the account of Jonathan Goforth. He was a, a, a Canadian missionary to China. And when he was retiring and he went back home to Canada, he had lost his sight by then. And they had a go. They had a, a uh, I think it was a going away. It was a, it was a, uh, a party for his retirement, and he was just seated in in uh, in the room, and many of his relatives and friends, and neighbors were there. His backslidden son-in-law was there. And I probably may have told you the story before, but this man had been away from the Lord, had been cold at heart. And you know what God used to move him? Just the face of his father-in-law. He just looked at his father-in-law's angelic face and was convicted that he had an unangelic life. And God used that to awaken this man to repent and to get right with the Lord. Do any of us need that, that jolt in our lives to get back to the Lord. Moses' reflection of God's glory began to fade. That's why the Bible tells us he put he put the, the uh, mask on. Not so much that they would be afraid of the glow, but 2 Corinthians seems to indicate he put the mask on. He didn't want them to see the glow fade. He wanted them to know the glory of God. But he wanted that he didn't want them to see the fading of it. Moses needed to go back into God's presence for that glow to return. Even Moses. How much more do you and I need to be with the Lord in private and public worship that we might be a glow of his presence and reflect him in this world? We have an interview with God. May we be faithful as individuals and faithful in our marriages and our families and our churches. Let us pray that our wives and husbands and children and 
brothers and sisters in the Lord will, will facilitate their holiness. That they'll be able at the day of judgment for them as they stand before the Lord to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are we jealous that they love the Lord more than they love us? Let's press toward the mark, brother and sister, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But this scene of the great white throne judgment should bring us a bolder and braver and warmer pursuit of lost souls. What do we read here, brother and sister? And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Who did John see? Did he see the the pharaohs? Did he see the Caesars? kings and queens of history but he also saw the chimney sweepers the street sweepers he also saw the small God is no respecter of persons in either sense they all stood before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell, that is Hades, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Let's not miss verse 15. John saw it. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast. That word cast is a very graphic word. It means to throw. They were thrown into the lake of fire. They didn't step in the lake of fire. They were cast into the lake of fire. Is this not a motivation for you and me to warn the wicked to flee from the wrath to come? Are we going to hide behind election and not be burdened for souls? Do we see the living dead as we go out today and tomorrow? He will judge the quick and the dead. It's Paul says, Second Timothy, chapter four. I remember as as minister, a mere ministerial student at Bob Jones, we used to sing in ministerial class. There had to be at least a couple thousand ministers or preparing ministers, and they. There was a song we used to sing. Oh, that I could capture that burden again. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. Souls for Jesus will fight until we die. We never will give in while souls are lost in sin. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. You should be there to hear 2,000 men sing that hymn. Oh, that I could have that burden again. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. Souls for Jesus will fight until we die. We never will give in while souls are lost in sin. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry.
we should pray Psalm 67. Lord, cause thy face to shine upon us. That thy fear might reach the world. The Lord would reach the church and revive us. That we would seek to reach the world. Oh, that God would use us in whatever legal way possible to reach sinners. Pray for those that have been reached at the car wash, down at the Springville auction, at a store that you've been able to hand a tract to, just a, a brief conversation. Look at people as souls that will live somewhere forever. Let's not forget. As the Lord tells us to honor all men, isn't the, the best way isn't isn't the best way to honor all men is to see them as souls made in the image of God that need salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look at it just as the next person in line and you, you don't have much time and you've got to get out of the store. Look at the person in front of you in that line as a soul that needs Christ as their Savior. It'll be 45 years in November that a kind, risking person picked up this filthy sinner hitchhiking. He handed me a gospel tract. He was concerned enough for my soul. Do you have gospel tracts in your car? Do you have them in your pocket? We need a burden for souls. We need more adoration for the Lord. We need, we need more preparation for our own interview with God. And we need more evangelism. And I'm looking at them in the mirror, brother and sister. This is a good passage to jolt our souls. God is worthy of praise. That our souls are in need of preparation. That sinners are in desperate need of salvation. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. Souls for Jesus will fight until we die. We never will give in. While souls are lost in sin, souls for Jesus is our battle cry. We can't leave it up to the angels. We can't say, well, we'll let the more zealous Christians do the work. Lord, make me a more zealous Christian. Amen. Please bless your word, Lord. Thank you for leaving us this solemn, sober, passage, this prophecy of Judgment Day. Forgive our sins, O Lord. Forgive our apathy, coldness. Forgive us, Lord. Revive us. We know there's only one opportunity for us. Make our lives count for You. Please, help us to redeem the few moments that we have left. Don't let these thoughts slip, Lord. Keep them before us. Keep the great white throne judgment before us.
we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.